Hello, and welcome to Relative Pitch. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast. Our mission is to give you young musicians' perspectives on hot topics in the music world. By sharing our thoughts and opinions, we hope to help with bringing positive change and diversification to the music world. Here are your hosts, Lauren Green, Anthony Morris, and Michael Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season one, episode 12. Looking forward to 2021. Um, I am so happy, and I'm pretty sure I speak on all of us here. Uh, we are so happy that you have been with us uh, this past year, or honestly, a couple months that we've been doing this, but it's been such a fulfilling um, process creating Relative Pitch, and I think it's been one of our biggest, I guess, accomplishments this year. And so um, we're going to just talk about how our 2020 went and how we want you know, 2021 to be better. Hopefully COVID is gone and we don't have to worry about it, but just let's cross our fingers and pray. Um, so uh, first up, let's talk. How was your 2020, Michael? Tell us about it. You know, 2020 was hard. It was trying. I went through a lot of um, trials and tribulations, people would say. You know, I personally lost all motivation to do anything was laying up in my bed and y'all know me I don't lay in my bed I'm always moving to the next thing always going always going so I had to remind myself like why do I do what I do because I was like is is the reason I do music is because I was told I was good at it and I was busy you know what I mean or was it because I actually liked it so it was finding a new passion relighting a fire one big thing that hurt even today is not being able to perform like Christmas time last year, gig every weekend. We moving, we going, we going. We have a holiday concert at KSU. We popping, we going. And this year it's like, hmm, I'll play some hymns on my own in my garage. Like, but it's not the same. Um, so, um, like navigating life has been a big thing of 2020. So that's the, that's kind of sums up my 2020. What about you, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I guess everyone in the world has been affected in some way, I guess, by this pandemic in 2020, just in general. There's just been a lot that's been going on. Um, for me, it was kind of the same, like the beginning of the year, honestly, was amazing. It was grad school auditions. I was like on a plane, like almost every weekend, or I was like driving to somewhere every weekend. And it was a huge, huge, huge thing for me to go through grad school auditions because I was so nervous doing them. I was doubting myself along the way. It was like, I'm excited to do this, but I'm scared. I'm excited, but I'm scared. And going through it and actually getting through all my auditions, I would say mostly wonderful. Um, it was a huge confidence booster. And it really, for me, it was a big step for me in my education and my career. And that's, it was funny because I think my last audition, me and Michael's, I think our last auditions were the weekend right before, I think for Johira in like, or there in Georgia um, at the time um, that like the pandemic really came to us. I think we had our first cases that came and then it was a very quick uh, move to the end where everything just started kind of closing and we didn't really even know what was kind of going on. It was, everyone was just like giving um estimates it was only estimates no one really knew what the you know the situation um could hold and i mean for a lot all of us we didn't have a graduation you know we uh we uh, senior recitals 
um, were not, I thankfully I got to do mine the semester before because that's just something I had planned for um, years in advance, but like a lot of people didn't get to have that. And that's a huge thing for, especially performance majors. Anthony was doing a conducting recital, which would have been, it was going to be amazing. Um, and so that loss, loss of graduation, which graduation is more for, you know, families, <laughs> I think than even for the graduates, it's just like seeing, like just sharing in that um, big milestone, I think with everyone. And um, it was, I mean, it was lost for sure. And living, navigating this new way of living through COVID, um, just not even just on the, I mean, socially, and also educationally, we all had to either we started jobs or went to a completely new school and a completely new state during all this. That's crazy if you think about it. And most of we have people who most of us have gone through that. Most of us have moved um, to different states for something for the next step of our careers or our education. Um, and it's a lot. And I, I think we handled it pretty well. I will have to say, you know, a lot of said negatively about our generation but that is something we did do is we we keep going we keep persevering um and even though it's hard like Michael said like it was so easy to have days where you're like I don't want to practice at all I don't want to practice at all I don't want to do anything I'm losing motivation um and the 100 days of practice challenge that me and Michael were doing during that time really for me was the thing that really kept me motivated and kept me playing and afterwards I did take a break from flute I just put it away for a little bit because I was busy figuring out um, moving plans to move from Georgia to Albuquerque, all these other things. And so um, it, I think I thought it was okay. I thought I, it was like fine to take a break, take a pause on that. Cause I knew once I got there, I got settled into Albuquerque. I would of course um, be starting up playing again. It will be fine. And that was the case for sure. But um, uh, in the, you know, we can't talk about 2020 without talking about all the, um, the civil and social unrest that has also happened since the summer, early, like early May, was in May, June, around that time when everything kind of happened. Um, it's been happening for a while, but especially this year, I think it's because we were all home. We're all more actively watching the news and keeping up with things because of the pandemic. And it just happened, this uh, tragedy happened also, and it spiked a lot. A lot has happened because of that situation. Um, and it's, that and the pandemic were neck and neck of like what was getting everyone's attention during the time this past year. Um, and like us being all minorities um, are, we were all affected by it in a certain way because it, it affects us, it affects the people we care about. Um, and it definitely was a huge, uh, huge part of my life, you know, in positive and negative ways, I will have to say. Um, but everything that happens happens for a reason is what I truly believe. And that's kind of my, that's kind of my biggest thing about 2020. We've all experienced loss. We've experienced new, amazing things, new partnerships, new relationships, new projects, things that have come out of this year. Um, and we have to accept the good or the bad, just as we accept the good and know that everything is a lesson in life, you know, and not everything is gonna, <laughs> this year has just said, um, yeah, you thought that was gonna happen? No, like it's, it's just, it can happen to you. Um, and like anything can happen to you. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, that could never happen to me. Well, it did. <laughs> and um, also just in general, like, I don't know, it, it, it's been a year where you just have to, we've learned to be flexible and learn that 
things, nothing's promised until it happens, you know? So the best thing you can do for yourself is do what is best for yourself, you know, put yourself first. That's not selfish. That's being, that's being uh, kind to yourself. That's being responsible to you and your mental health, everything else. But um, I mean, 2020, it's a, it's like Sour Patch Kids, um, sour, sweet, gone, <laughs> maybe, maybe sweet, sour, gone. I don't know, but that's kind of how I feel about it. What do you, uh, what do you, what was your 2020 like, Anthony? You know, and just like both of you said, it was very crazy. Um, I will say at the end, I think 2020 showed people that perseverance is a thing. Um, and staying strong and learning about yourself um, has probably been one of the biggest things of 2020 because you ain't got nothing else to do besides sit there and learn about yourself, learn about things that you like, you don't like, what you see for yourself in the future. Like I know certain people um, who realize music might not be what I want to do. And that's absolutely okay. Um, and same goes for any other career path. You know, people are like, I don't really know if this is it. And then some people uh, that are like, this is exactly what I want to do. Yes, I might've took a time off, but this is exactly what I want to do. And I've kind of fallen in that category because when I started teaching and I finally got back in front of an ensemble, I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is exactly where I belong um, in front of a, a group, rehearsing, having fun, making music. This is what I want to do. And I was actually just talking with um, Dr. Hartenberger at UGA just yesterday. Um, and she was telling she was telling everyone at Midfest that she hasn't rehearsed a band since March, since when everybody like left. And I think 2020 has showed uh, everyone that to be grateful and to be thankful for what you have. Um, I think before 2020, a lot of people weren't grateful. They were not thankful for certain things that they had because now when something is taken away, you're like, wow. I am so thankful that I get to do this. I am so grateful that I here in Florida still kind of operate on a normal-esque type of day-to-day uh, -day schedule where I do get to have band and I do uh, get to, is it the same amount of kids? No, but it's still making music and just making music at a, such a minute level is still a great fulfilling thing. Um, but I originally I had, of so much plan for 2020. Um, I had a student teaching. Um, I had a whole band that I, like I was still in college, but a whole band of myself, I was gonna take them to uh, the state contest and uh, you know, everything was gonna be like whatever, however you taught, that was the critiques you were gonna get. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I get this before even graduating and having my own group, like, yay. Um, so student teaching, I have planned. Um, I was going to go to Michigan State over the summer. I was going to do all these different conducting symposiums over the summer. I had a freaking conducting recital that I got um, legit almost everybody at Kennesaw State School of Music involved in somehow, some way. Um, and it was going to be a fantastic concert. I mean, we had uh, at the point before uh, everything closed down, I think we were at 
three rehearsals out of four. So there was only one more rehearsal than the concert. Um, graduation, like I am the first like immediate family member who graduated from college. So it was going to be like, oh my gosh, like here it is, a, grad, a college graduate. Um, so my family is definitely looking forward to that. I'm also like kind of the baby of the family as well. So like, of course, a lot of the family members were definitely looking forward to that. And I was looking forward, you know, to getting my cap and gown, walking down, you know, doing a little tassel, class of 2020. I was so excited. Like we did, we've done so much in the four years. And I think all of us have grown to the people we are today throughout college. And graduation was going to be like, here it is, you've, you've done it. And it it was a little bittersweet because um, now I'm seeing the uh, um, winter graduates and they're having their like kind of pseudo graduation. And I'm like, that's, that's way better than what we, like they just said, y'all ain't getting nothing, okay? You're getting your, your um, diploma, barely. Um, you just getting that piece of paper, bye bye. <laughs> See ya. And slideshow. huh? We got a slideshow. Mm, yeah, we got we got a, a Microsoft PowerPoint slideshow. That's what we got. Okay. Goodbye. I'm just saying. I'm just like we got a slideshow. Woo woo woo. And that's it. And I'm like, so I spent four years of my life paying thousands of dollars, mind you, but it's but it's fine, it's fine. And I think 2020 also showed you like, you can't really hold on to stuff like that. Like, just be thankful that you you graduated, be thankful that you we all ended up in the places we wanted to be. We are still doing what we want to do. So um, I'm just thankful um, for doing that and, and being here. And like Lauren said, the seeing our generation come out and speak up about certain things that have kind of been put on the back burner for years. I don't need any other generation talking about our generation ever again, because we got out, we went protested, um, we went and we used our voices because we were so sick of being told, y'all don't know what you're talking about, this and that. And you know what? You you got the right ones. And <laughs> I am so, I am so excited for the future of this country because of our generation. Um, because and also one thing that I love seeing all the protests and everything, it was not just monolithic. It was not just one group of people. It was everybody. It was um, and also older generation, y'all were there too. I saw, so, you know, some of them, but there was black, there was white, there were gay people, there were lesbians, there, there was uh, Asians, there was Latinos, there, there was legit everybody saying something is wrong and it needs to change. And I am so happy for my state and my, my second home city, Atlanta, because Atlanta was definitely one of the big cities in the country that was moving for change. Keisha Lance Bottoms, you really, really, really got your city together. Stacey Abrams, oh my gosh, thank you for one, doing so much. Um, I, we don't really talk about politics, but 
I'm gonna just say right here and now, Miss Stacey Abrams, mm. she she is the definition of perseverance. She took something, the uh, loss of the the governor, um, and she said, you know what? And and I remember reading this um, an article about her. She said, yes, I cried, and yes, I took my days, but I gave myself about two days, and then after that second day, I got up and I said, how can I change? How can I change this? And she made the biggest change that no one would have ever thought Georgia would have turned the color it did. But Miss Stacey Abrams had a big, she put those boots on the ground and thank you so much. And Georgia has, I, I, I love my state. I really do. I really do because over the summer and being in COVID, which is so weird, being in COVID and then having all this stuff going on at the same time, it's like, what is going on? But it provided us with the time and the voice to finally say, look, we're done you telling us what to do. We're done with you killing uh, unarmed people, uh, putting people who do not deserve to be in jail in jail, letting people who do deserve to be in jail still be out walking out of all the people that have just died in this year, it's time to stop. And also another thing that I'm so proud of is the way people got out and went and voted. That right there, that right went there. Out and voted. And here's the thing, older generation, you came at us last, um, the last presidential um, 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 election. election. It was like, you're like, uh, your generation, I don't want to do anything. Okay. Well, we gonna show you. And we did. So I don't want to hear nothing else from y'all. Y'all Honestly, this year for our generation has been, we're about that action. We are. Like the, from the jump, from the jump. And with a year where we have so much has been taken away, mm -hmm. uh, especially students, um, going through colleges and of course still high school but especially like in college like just a completely different experience that we have never been through it was so easy to be bitter and yeah. to be like I don't want to do anything they took it all away from us but we despite losing so many things of senior year despite graduation despite like not being able to celebrate with our friends the way that we wanted to we still whenever we our voices needed to be heard we went out Mm -hmm. You know, we went out and then especially when it came, the biggest part about it was, and I, I'm so glad that I saw mutual friends saying the same thing. They're like, yes, go protest, go do all those things, but also go vote is go the biggest vote. thing. Yes. You, do, you can say, you can do whatever you want to, but change happens when you actually use your voting rights. And yes. we did look at what happened. And also talking about voting there, and if you live in Georgia and you're listening to this right now, there is a special election coming up in January that, that you need to go vote in, okay? You came out, you voted for the president, amen to that. But those two senators, we need in Congress. Because they, they give the president more power. That's how that, how, you know, government works is yes. they give that position, that office power. Mm -hmm. So, so please, please, if you don't hear anything else, go, if you live in Georgia, that runoff vote, go early vote, go mail-in vote, just go vote in person, do whatever you need to do to keep those people who want to see the, the, the uh, 
um, the downing of all of us, different colors, different religions, different uh, um, sexualities, all this stuff. Go vote for the people who are going to protect you. And, and please do, please do, because the thing is we have witnessed in the past four years some of the most ugliest behavior I have ever seen in my life. Ugliest behavior towards people who legit just want to live. And it goes to those, and the reason these people are so loud is because they've had a person who has the highest position in the land, in the world, has said it, it is okay. We need to let that stop. We're and no that was longer. a huge thing that uh, I saw a lot of people saying, it was like, it's no longer enough to not have said something, to not have, oh, well, I didn't do that thing. But mm -hmm. the thing about wanting to bring change, allyship, is it's no longer just enough to just not do something. Yes. And that's the biggest thing is like, people are like, well, I'm not the problem. I'm not the one doing anything, but it's like, but you see that there is a problem here. You admit to it that there is a problem, yet you choose to not do anything about it. You know, and that's the crazy thing to me. And people don't realize that like, just by doing nothing, you're honestly saying that you are fine with the way things are. And if you, you know, we can go back to, you know, let's say 50 years ago from now or from today, 60, 70, whatever. It, imagine what life was like if you were not, you know, a white person, let's just be honest, in America, mm -hmm. all right? And sorry, let me also add like straight white, just like very straight white Christian, just the most, you know, safest thing you could be at that time. So many people could have said, you know, all this stuff with like civil rights and everything, like doesn't really affect me, like I'm fine. So I could just like not do anything. But it took not only the people who were being hurt by this, but also people who understood that it was just wrong the way people were being treated to actually push for change. And that's the biggest thing. And like, I don't think enough people realize that when I'm asking you to go out of your way, bend over backwards to do all these things. No, that's not what we're asking, but like it's empathy. It's understanding where other people are in life and like the situations that people are put in just because of who they are and just, I don't know, being self-aware yes. about that is, is a huge part of this fight. Definitely. I mean, this fight, and don't think because the election is over, the fight is over as well. Not. Because it, it is not. We honestly will be fighting for the rest of our lives because there will always be people who want to put said people above other people as well. So we that fight don't just let your voice stop now because it's not done it's not done at all we still have to continue to get peace and everything else that we want and another thing you know people who have thought differently in the past four years against whoever was in office you know who he is were put down for thinking that way now that we have someone in the office who wants to unite the land and who wants to really just like support everybody we have to be the bigger people and no longer put people down like putting people down should not be a part of society like ever because the more people you put down the louder it's going to come back as we saw so you know what i mean don't put people down period like 
I want to I want to get to a place where everybody can like you know we all think differently. That's what's so great about it, and we all can be together. And that's where I think we can head in uniting the country again. But like, I know for me, I'm gonna be a bigger person. I'll be like, okay, you know what? You said this stuff to me the past four years, but I'm gonna let you think about that because I yeah. know what I did by go voting and go and do this. I made the change. Yeah, I didn't have to talk down to you to exercise my other stuff. Yeah, I agree. It's this, I mean, the past four years, no one can say that the country is united right now. Um, we have been divided so much um, these past four years, especially this year, my word this year. Um, and the problem with that is that we don't, I like you have to have someone in the, that position who wants to unite their country, who say, despite our political differences, despite like who if you voted for me or not or whatever you are an american you live here we all are looking for the greater good of our country and our nation and the people who are in it and this year has been hard because we have seen people who have blatantly said i don't care about anyone but myself and that is the hardest part and there is now a platform for these people to say that where people are like well that's their right to feel that way and it's like what are we doing what are we doing here? So we, so we just don't even care about human rights anymore. It's just about me, 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 me. That's all that matters. And that's so selfish. Like it just it completely, I, I can't understand it because I think I've been raised to care about other people. I would hope that most people in the world have been raised to care about other people. Um, maybe not as much, you know, depends on the household, whatever your morals and everything but I feel like we've just gotten away from the basics of humanity. And that's what, I mean, that's really what this year has kind of shown. And it's hard, it's unfortunate because yeah, I agree with you, Michael, that like we have to get to the point where we're not just like, you didn't vote for the person I voted for, well, I hate you. You know, and it's hard because there is a group who literally, that, that's their thing. They're like, you're either, you, you, if you didn't vote for who I voted for, you're stupid. And you 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 like don't have any sense. You are you are just brainwashed. All this other nonsense that's just crazy. They have no interest in you know talking to you about your beliefs or anything. It's just all wrong to them, you know. And that's the most unfortunate thing that I think I've seen come out of this is trying to actually you just go into like social media. My like social media has like blew up because we're at home, no one's doing anything, it's COVID, Every, the things that are going around in the world, most more people are going to be talking about it. There are going to be more uh, pieces coming out about it, more articles, more videos written about it. Um, but it also can be detrimental because I've seen people that like friends and like colleagues and people get in arguments with their family members online because of all the stuff going on. And just like, I'm just like, have we ever been at this point like during like the new, this new age, you know, where we're supposed to be so open and minded and free thinking and just, I don't know. It's just that that's probably one of the hardest things that has come out of like this year is just um, like, I don't know, the loss of humanity that seems, you know, the, or the decrease, I guess, in humanity. But, you know, one of the good things I will have to say that's come out of it is um, from, 2020 is I think innovation 
um, and people being innovative in terms of like teaching and other a lot of other things. Like I switched all my students to be online, you know, uh, as soon as everything kind of came out because especially for musicians, like singing, playing anything, like that's a way higher exposure than normal just being uh, next to someone. Um, and so it has taught me a lot of things, skills of how to build and create a studio online using Zoom with all my students. Like I get to share my screen and like we'll watch videos together. We'll, I, I can draw stuff out for them. I can make comments on um, music, show them music if they don't have a printer. I mean, that's fine. You can read it off of your screen because I can like share it on here. All this stuff um, that has come out of this. And also just in general, like I feel like because we're not like allowed or not, it's like we're not trying to be around everyone all the time right now. So friendships, you know, you have to try just a little bit harder now, right, to do it. Um, but it's good because I feel like there have been relationships that were that I have like almost rebuilt and redefined in a really great way because of this and me wanting to be like reach out to my people more because of all this. And I mean, hey, look at us. We, we did an entire podcast um, during a pandemic you know, with all the restrictions and people like, how are you going to do that? And we did it, you know, so kudos to us for that. Definitely. I mean, just thinking about like, when you haven't seen some of your friends in so long and then you finally see them, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, I remember we saw each other and we were just like, just going back and forth. just like, oh my gosh, we're, we can't believe we're together. Here we are. I mean, we had honestly one of the worst Airbnbs I've ever had in my entire life but you know what that it really didn't even matter because we were together and we honestly just made it work and we were just laughing and we were just enjoying each other's company um but if y'all in Atlanta don't we can talk later if you want to know which if you want to know which Airbnb let call me because don't do it don't do it it was quite huh when you Look at the picture of the host, wig. Oh, wig, and it tells you. So it, it, the wig tells you all about what the, the apartment's gonna be. So, um, but we made that whole trip just work and just being together. Um, and and that goes to being in COVID. Like we're, we're far apart. We really only see each other through a, a place like FaceTime or right here. So when you're together, you're like, oh my gosh, wow. And the friendship is so stronger. Um, and I think that really, like you, when something bad happens, like COVID, um, the good things that come out of bad things are really strong, like really, really strong. And I also think some of that is music, you know, I think after COVID, we're going to have some probably great music um, that will come out of this. I, but I also know composers who said, I'm not going to write any music anymore. And again, that's absolutely fine. You, you learn about yourself um, throughout something like this. Um, and I think for the, for the music that will be written after this, we're all going to think about what we were doing during this entire year. And it's all gonna bring up something, either good, the bads, the uglies, whatever. We're it's gonna bring back those memories of like, whoa, whoa. Um, 
And I think one of the good things that have come out of 2020 through something bad of like Black Lives Matter, everything like that, the protests and everything is the big, the more emphasis of diversity in music. Um, because before this, you had like your one black person um, that was a composer and we played their one song on a concert and everything like that, or we play one female composer and we, there's only one a room for one female composer because that is that token minority. But throughout the protests and the social unrest and civil unrest on all this, and now more emphasis of looking on why aren't you playing or why aren't we playing music from other people besides straight white men? Now we are having this uh, um, this surge of minority composers. We have these databases where it has long lists of all the music by minority composer, uh, uh, by POC composers. And I'm like, absolutely. This is what we should have had for years now. We honestly, like, it, it is so crazy to me because I'm like, yes, this is a good thing. But also, I feel like this should have been done years ago. And also, I also have like a, a side eye because it, it's like, why did it take for the protest to cause this? Why couldn't this happen naturally? But it's also one of those things that's just human nature, that it's human nature for something like that to happen. And I'm just loving the more the diversity and also seeing some like bands doing uh, virtual things or like uh, where each student uh, records some stuff and then they mash it all together. And to hear some of the uh, music that they picked is by, by POC composers. So not only the innovation of doing technology, but now including uh, by POC composers, it's just like, this is the modern age. This is what we should be doing. This is how we should be going on. And our last episode uh, with uh, the ASO principal flutist, uh, Christina Smith, and hearing about her, her new group, all-female ensemble, I'm like, yes, that is what we need. We need to have these all-female ensembles. We need to have these um, all-Black ensembles or all-minority ensembles, Sphinx Orchestra, oh my goodness. Um, 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 Valerie Coleman, her ensemble um, and her music and everything like that. Of course, Omar Thomas, all of these different people, Anthony Barfield, um, these people, these are the people we need to be uh, really listening to and promoting and everything because music will only live for the, pe the younger people that are coming up. And the younger people it's even like this started with our generation of we don't see ourselves on platforms. We don't see ourselves as X and X composer, or we don't see ourselves as the conductor. We don't see ourselves, you know, in these positions. But now our generation, the generations after us are like, we're going to make a difference. We are going to get in these spots because we know who's coming after us. And the world is going to be a completely different thing. And it is honestly beautiful to see. So one of my things for uh, what I would love to see in the upcoming year is just let's continue to just diversify music. Let's stop doing all of uh, that, that music that is always played 
I'm looking at you orchestras and bands too, where a piano concerto by this white man or a Brahms thing by a white man. I'm just like, where is it? Like, where is the diversity? I'm sick of listening to this. I'm bored. I'm honestly very bored. And I love music. Don't like, don't get me wrong. And I love those composers, but I'm bored. I am not about to pay my money to listen to this. I'm sorry. I want to, when I come to a concert, I want to be inspired. And my inspiration comes from story behind music, people that are not the, the status quo. And also that I found out in music, people love to say, oh, it's a standard. Yeah, it's a standard because you play it often. That is why it's a standard. Not because it actually has some type of value, it's because you play it. And it's because it is something that um, um, has become, you like it. Of course, most standards are by white men. Sorry, straight white men. And I'm like, huh, why can't uh, a new piece by uh, uh, Julie Giroux, for instance, why can't they be a standard? Or uh, Cindy McTee or Omar Thomas, Anthony Barfield. Um, why can't these be the standard now? Who said certain pieces are standards? I want, I want whoever is listening to this, I want you to answer that question. And look, I'm young. I will admit it. I am young. I am just starting out, but this is the whole purpose of this podcast. And I want to know, why do we, why do we hold certain pieces as standards? Because to me, yeah, those pieces are great, but there's no way in the world those pieces should be on every single concert because, I, like I said, I'm bored. And I've always said it, I'm bored. And that's my thing. Like, I have, in myself, started to appreciate and search for new music, especially new music written in the past, like, 2000s and 1990s to now. And like some composers I've never heard of or I've heard of, and I'm like, eh, you know what? It's not Bach. It's not Johann Strauss. You know what I mean? It's not all these people. And but I'm, I'm loving it. And the thing is, I want to see what orchestras and bands, especially bands, because y'all, band, you have not lived as long as life as an orchestra. They are getting away with it because they are a, st- like, they're a standard ensemble. They've been here for a lot longer professionally. Like professionally than bands. So bands, y'all have to be really the champions of new music because you are a newer ensemble. That's the same thing with brass quintets, with new uh, ensembles, like chamber ensembles. Y'all have to be championing new music or you're going to end up in the same place as some of these older places. I would like to see musicians as a whole, like of course you you pay respect to what came after you and then you champion forward new stuff. Like, yes, let's listen to a Beethoven every once in a while. Let's do a Mozart every once in a while. Actually, you can leave Mozart off. We can do other people, Brahms. But don't always play a violin or a piano concerto. Where are my cellos at? Where is my violas? I love viola. I'm one of the very few people that will be like, give me a viola and I will love it. Or where's like, where's the bassoon? Where's the contrabass bassoon? You know what I mean? Where's the bass clarinet? You know, how about we get more instruments up in here that you don't hear a lot and really integrate the old with the new 
and because then concerts will not just be filled with old people it'll be a mix and we'll mixing generations bringing different ideas together instead of just seeing one set of people in a concert hall we can see a sea of people and that's how we know music will continue to last because to be honest a professional musicians are relatively new career like i think it was around the 50s we started to be paid professionally like the philadelphia orchestra was one of the first full-time orchestras in new york phil like we're relatively new we're not a standard in society that we have to be here we have to prove and show people why music is important why art is important in general and that is combining with you know chamber ensembles with art shows or orchestras with dancers orchestras with singers like combine different art forms and i'm telling you this of course from a young person we all say we have we're young but we haven't seen a lot of life i hate when people say that but anyways that's how we move forward that is the next step when you stay stagnant just like water it gets dirty no one wants to drink it you have to everything has to keep flowing in and out yeah, I, I agree with that. So yeah, I took a history of orchestra class. And, you know, in addition to, of course, learning about the histories of a bunch of different orchestras, not only in the US, but also just around the world, and the structure of the orchestra, its role in society, and everything. The, you know, one of the last things I think the professor mentioned was like, it is up to your generation to be the ones who continue classical music. And I, it was funny because I had a lot to say about that. I was like, you know what? It's funny that you say that, that the weight is always put on the younger generations, right? The burden is always put on the younger generations to keep it alive. Whereas, um, you know, we are the ones saying, well, we don't want to hear this stuff anymore. Play something else. And then it's like, oh, you don't know good music or you don't understand. Like, these are the standards. You have to play the Beethoven. Why? Why? What law says that orchestras have to play anything okay i get it it's what's always has been done and yeah if you keep inviting guest artists and um uh, conductors who only do these certain standards you're going to keep getting that so you have to diversify your ensembles and the music that you play your your works to diversify your audiences because guess what if you look out into your audience you see a sea of white hair at some point who's going to be taking their spots? Because if we're not in there, who's going to be in there at the end? And they always, oh, the ticket sales are bad. They don't want to come see us. Play something cool. Like, sorry. Like, I, it's just like, I get it. There are some piano concertos I've heard. There's some violin concertos I've heard that I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome, amazing performers. Duh. I get it. But at the same time, there's so much more out there that is to be discovered. And the fact that it's just the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, it's dying because it's the same thing. It is dead. It's dead. Like there are living composers out here who want to compose new music, who are composing new music, and who's playing them? Not orchestras. Not orchestras, barely bands. They would do the whole um, thing of like, we're going to put this on a special concert. One. One special concert, and then we'll never think about it again. Um, I will tell you, as a person who actually went to one of those concerts, um, it was ASO, they did, I can't believe I, I'm forgetting this composer name, but you, do y'all remember that? We went and saw. And then it was a new work by, 
I forgot the composer name, but I loved that piece. And it was funny because the way they promoted this concert was like, oh, um, yeah, Emmanuel Axe and Appalachian Spring. And then at the small bottom with the premiere of a new work by a Black composer. That's it. And like every promotional thing, like when you go down by, um, by the ASO, like there's pictures of Emmanuel Axe, there's like Copeland, where no new, there was nothing really about this new work for orchestra, which to me was the best part of the freaking concert. Like I remember just sitting there and I remember hearing the different colors that I never heard in orchestra because I have one sound of orchestra and that's like that classical era, romantic era, and before music. That is what I that is what I hear as an orchestra. But because it's new, it has different colors. The instruments are used in a different way. And I just remember sitting there like, oh, I've never heard this before. And that's why I love new music because it gives something new. And I remember seeing some of the audience, the old people in the audience are like, why did they play that? You're the reason nobody's coming to this, just saying. Because, and we're not, we're not open enough to get new composers to do stuff and stop just playing that one song, like one song. They have other stuff. You, it has to be a thing. And that's why I'm so glad um, Christina last time was like, the ASO has some good stuff coming up for this new season, especially with the music selections. And I cannot wait to hear because that is what needs to happen anyway. I remember like really starting to appreciate new music when in Win Ensemble, uh, Dr. David Keeler, our first guest on the show, um, programmed Winds of Nagual. Now I was showed this piece year and a half before by Anthony. And I listened to it and I was like, this is trash. Trash. Get it out, throw it away, compact it. Or my Bach. Where's my where's my Hindemith? Like, you know what I mean? But then like when we when it got programmed to play, and when Keela was like, you know, I'm gonna give you the part I played when we played this in Michigan State. I was like, you know what? Let me let me listen to this again. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, was like, oh ah, Oh my god. I'm like, oh, this is this is it. I was like, this, this is why I like band. You know, and when Different you color. To it, like when you listen to it, you're like, what is happening? Flicks no. and makes sense. You're like, wow, that was like a TV show or a movie within music that connected. And the funny thing about that is I remember that performance, that exact performance of it, and the audience did not know what to do. What was happening? They were legitimately like, what did I just listen to? You know, but that piece was so fun. Like I got to play the alto flute solos and everything. And they were the the most crazy, colorful, beautiful solos uh, I've got to, gotten to play within an ensemble, you know. I, I actually have the score. I have the score legit like right here because I have been studying this um, for some time, but let me just tell you, the things that I could gather from trying to study this score, 
is way more difficult than trying to study the quote unquote stuff that you need to um that you need to do like when you're studying like Bach or Beethoven or something like that when I look at this and I, I'm like seeing all this and different um like for instance this thing right here like look at all this this is something Bach Beethoven definitely didn't all they didn't have all this this razzadazz going on and just understanding why why did um Colgrass do this why did he write it what was the sound he's listening for and if you don't know this work wins in the wall is um based off of um a tale from like the the western the southwestern like mexico don like, carlos don juan. juan carlos like very uh it's like a, a, not a shaman what are those people called like that do like magic or involved yeah psychedelics was of course like literally one of the movements like don juan floats off in a bubble and like it's yeah, just, that's, the, that's the flute solo yes like it's crazy and like but the thing is you hear Don Juan floating through a bubble. You hear the, the uh, there's one called Gate of Power. And, and like you hear how dark and rich the colors are. And you're just like, what in the world? Like, I, I don't know if I, this is just me. Like, I love a good music that tells me a story. See, and that's the thing about music is, first of all, I have to connect with something in order to enjoy it. And so whenever there is a story set up within a piece that I'm like, I can hear dancing, I can hear death, I can hear whatever, that is when I get invested in it. Yeah, and there also, like, I could go on about this piece, but there's like one part where I remember Michael played this because he kept playing it, of course, in our apartment at nighttime, um, where it's the part of where it's like, uh, is it the carnival scene? It's very like marachi type of thing. And, it, and it's just yeah, like, and you hear it and you're just like, ooh, like when you hear it, you're like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of like when I was in Mexico and, and the square and they're just like doing dancing. And then you hear like some laughing going on that uh, the composer, like you hear the laughing, you're just like, oh my God goodness and that's what I love and even though this piece was written um in the 80s and 85 it still you it still uses that newer thing and I think newer composers actually use um those techniques I mean uh, if you listen to Omar Thomas's work a lot of his work is from personal like personal um his personal feelings and I and that's why I love new music now is because everything they write is genuine to them. It is a story from them. And that's where my big debate of older music, because as we know in history, a lot of the Mozart things, like the serenades, that was just background music that was written to get paid. It was written uh, to provide a function, but we hold it as if it's a standard. We have to play it. This is background music. So you're telling That's me- That's my biggest beef with Mozart. I will have to, I'm sorry, other flute players. Um, I'm sorry, Christina, if you listen to this, but <laughs> my biggest pet peeve with orchestral auditions for flute, and honestly, any flute audition almost anywhere, everyone's like, play the Mozart in G, play the Mozart in D. 
And as someone like, listen, I played both of those pieces. Okay, I get it. Cool. I do. I understand. I understand to a certain degree. What I don't understand is why out of all the music we have in our repertoire, flute is one of the instruments that has been a while, around for a while. Okay. So it's not like we are lacking, like we're like tubas and trombones who like don't really have as much repertoire. So I'm just like, why this piece that, and the thing about it is, yes, people say, oh, it exposes so much in your agility and all the things you can say. There are so many other pieces that do that. There's so many other pieces that do that as well. Why do we have to just do that? And the funny thing is it reflects on how the ensemble, how orchestras are so stagnant and they're so, they're much of the same because they're not, they're only asking for things of that nature. And it just, to me, like I've, I've heard people talk, I've under, I understand why you would think that you need to do that. And I'm like, but it, it's not the only, there's, that's what the, my thing is. There's not only one way of doing things. When you keep beating something and just like, this is just a horse. You just keep beating a dead horse. It's a dead horse. It's a dead horse. Like there's so many other ways you can prove someone's um, capability in music than this one single piece. Cause guess what? They play other things too, other than that piece. Yes. Um, and, I, and I've always said like for uh, your specific instruments, there are way much more repertoire that exposes much more of agility, of musicality than playing something that was meant for background music. It was meant, it was only written because somebody said, I need to have something for this function. Not because he wanted to write it, it's because, and if you know Mozart's life, you know he was broke, okay? So he just did everything to, um, to get a check. And I'm like, yeah, no, sometimes you do write stuff that, you know, might be personal to you, but that's what I love about newer music. Uh, when I listen to Carlos Simon's work, I'm like, oh, this is some stuff that you like, it's because it, it's uh, about the Pentecostal church. It's called Amen. And I hear it and I'm like, that resonates with me because I grew up in, you know, the Baptist church and hearing all these different chords and stuff. And it's very personable. Um, and hearing some of uh, Julia Jerome's music and all these different people. And that music is difficult in itself. And it exposes a lot of things about a different ensemble. Why aren't we using these as some of the things that we need to listen for. So it's a whole gripe. And I really hope that changes in 2021. I hope that continues to change, um, but we'll see. You know, the way that it'll change is if the generations that are there now allow for it to happen. Because, you know, not a lot of us are represented in orchestras or in these ensembles right now in age in in race or anything in our just diversity of wanting to play things different um there's not a lot of that they want to stick to their war horses their standards and it's going to take for them to be open to um like to these changes if that's the only way that things are going to change because other i mean if we're not in there, if we're not the ones who are in those ensembles saying, hey, we, maybe let's consider doing a concert of all like women composers or all uh, POC composers or anything, who's going to say it? Yeah, every it, it's just going to continue being, let's put one piece by this composer, one piece by every every other month, you know, not too much. We don't want to, we don't want to label ourselves as anything, you know, crazy, but, you know, just something to like a check box, like just a, oh, did it check? you know, we're diverse, we did this. 
Um, and I, I truly hope, and like, listen, I, I consider myself a traditionalist in a lot of ways with music, okay? There are some pieces I listen to that I get nothing from. And I'm just kind of like, and new and old, I will say that. Like, there are some pieces I listen to that are written in like the, whatever, 1800s. I'm kind of like, I wonder what tea he wrote this for. Like what 12 high noon tea, they were like, oh, just whip this up for us real quick. Right? And then there are some new pieces that I'm like, this person literally was like, I'm going to write something that is so untonal, so atonal that there is going to be no evidence of melody at all throughout this entire piece. And we need to talk about that too. Like and throughout this entire thing, y'all have probably known me to love new music. But I'll be the first person to say, this don't sound good. Nope. <laughs> this don't sound good. And I actually just listened to a piece the other day where it's by a new composer. He's legit like 28. And one of his songs is great. Like, I love it. But then there's this one symphony that he wrote. And I was like, this just sounds like you just put, you just kind of threw everything in the sink and hoped it was correct. It's like she like put everything in a bag and just like shake it up. Yes. Just like toss it around. Yes. In new music sometimes, they are scared to write just a beautiful melody. Yeah. Like, because there's always been beautiful melodies. Like, that is one thing I will say about Haydn, Beethoven. They had great melodies, beautiful melodies we can sing in our head. We walk away singing. And that's how sometimes I can see why we keep playing them because people can walk away singing that main melody. But composers of today, you can write new and beautiful melodies. You can write atonal melodies. I love atonal music. I love music that when you listen to it, you're like, mm, that sounds like a mental breakdown. Let me huh. listen. You know what I mean? Like, but there has to be some semblance of a melody. It can't be a melody broken up between 75 different musicians and they all play one note. No. Like that could that is a thing, but not seventy five people. Okay, but uh, Winston Nagual did that, so yeah, but not seventy five people. Okay, it was like Winston Nagual also had melodies. That is true, uh, abundance of melodies and lines. You know, my yeah. thing is this is another thing. Like, in a, I was listening to a recording the other day of one a flute piece that someone considered to be one of the most important pieces in our repertoire. First of all, I've never heard of this piece and, and no one has ever told me about this piece ever. So I was like, first of all, false. Uh, second of all, what I tell you, th this is my thing. Just cause it sounds hard and it's technical does not mean it's good. You can have a piece that, yeah, you have to be the one of the most technically pr uh, proficient players in the land to be able to play it. That does not mean the piece is good. It does not mean the piece is good. And so like, I feel like with new music, it's all about Ooh, let's make something that like no one can even play ever, you know? And it's like, what's the point of that? Who, who, what audience are you trying to connect with where they're just like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. I don't know where that line was. It sounded like nothing, you know? I, I need something to hold on to. And there are new composers out there who are, who are writing music. They're not afraid of melody. They're not afraid of being tonal. And they're also not afraid of, doing things their own way like there is a way to go about writing new music where you are you are actually writing new music right but you're also not just saying i just want something that sounds like nothing you know and that's that's my biggest gripe and i think that's a lot of people's gripe honestly with new music in general 
and new music is a thing and whole becoming virtuoso soloist and the next virtuoso thing are a thing and that's one thing i've learned in covid in this whole year is kind of like navigating your life like we're all navigating our musical choices like we like the old stuff we're moving to the new stuff some people move from the new stuff to the old stuff it's all navigating but like for me a big thing of liking new music and coming at it like oh you have to be x level musician to play it no you don't you don't you don't have to be an x level musician to play anything music is music like yes there is some technical abilities and stuff but a big thing of like covid has taught me is living in present time and you can take this any way you want to take it for me i'm a person who looks months and months ahead boom we're gonna plan out months and months ahead but no it all got shut and you're planning one day ahead and moving in present time i will say this one quote real quick it's a beautiful quote i've already said it once but history Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That is why it is called a present. I like how you were about to read that and then you was like, wait. <laughs> Started wrong, sis. And it's fine. You got to progress at your own speed is another thing I learned. I can't compare myself to, like, I want to play as fast as Lauren. First of all, trumpet hard. They got a lot of buttons. I can't do that, but it's a thing. Like I want to be able to read. I think what's the book I want to read of yours, Lauren? Like the Tafanau and Gobert. I want to be able to play oh, out that. Yeah, be able to play out that book at some point. That's just a personal mission of mine. For what reason? Who knows? I'm a trumpet player. That's a flute book. But you know what? That's something personal. He just can't. He can't help um, not being the biggest diva in the room. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have three of the biggest divas in any ensemble. The conductor who always thinks he's right. Wrong. The flute player who always thinks she leads every melody. Wrong. And then the trumpet player who actually is the best. Wrong. Wrong. Very wrong. Wrong. The redheaded stepchild. Right. Baby. You you sit in the back of the ensemble for a reason. Because we can plow all you down real quick. We want to we want to give some sound space. All the trumpet players to the back. To the back. <laughs> to the back <laughs> Oh my gosh. But, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I agree. Like, I mean, I'm hoping that in the new year, of course, woohoo, we're getting vaccines. Like, yeah, let's get vaccines. Let's get back to normal life. It, like, listen, they're not putting microchips in the vaccines just go get the vaccine if you have e- ever eaten a hot dog in your life bologna ever in your life you ever went to a waffle house you are immune to most things anyway so go ahead and get the vaccine i promise it won't kill you you know what i mean and it'll just it'll bring everything you know more together we'll be safer we'll be able to perform again together and just be safe like i don't you know masks we, oh, let's see what happens with that. I feel like a lot of people are going to continue to wear those after this. And I know that I'm going to continue wearing them at airports because just you being that close to people, get away, get away. I like having that protection. Just like if anything like comes on you, if someone, if someone coughs the wrong way around you, sneezes, you at least know that part of your face is like protected from it. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm just, I'm excited 
for the future of just society in general, but especially the music world in next year? Yeah, I'm de- I'm my biggest thing for next year is definitely to continue learning um, as a first year teacher. Like I am um, just ready to continue growing as a teacher, um, learning from my kids. You know, every day is a new day when you're teaching kids. So continue learning that. Um, I hope that uh, next year uh, provides me some great opportunities to start back going to conductor symposiums because honestly, when I'm at a conductor symposium, I am like in the candy store. Um, I just love that environment. So hopefully everybody get their stuff together and we are trying to get back to normal and there will be some conducting symposiums. I And the good news, I just actually got an email from University of Michigan who is uh, going to, they have a conducting symposium open. Um, um, it to, right now it is going to be online, but depend as it gets closer, there's the possibility that it will be in person. And I'm like, y'all better get y'all stuff together because I need to be back at a, at a conducting symposium, okay? I need to be back doing that because that is what brings me joy and I love learning from everyone. So get y'all stuff together. Please, 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 I'm asking you. I can't wait to, to perform again and teach in person. It's very simple. I'm a simple person. I mean, that's a lot to ask for from this year is just performing and teaching in person, you know? Wear your mask. <laughs> Just wear your mask. It's not hard. In the supermarket, you know, the supermarket. Why did I call it a supermarket? I don't know. Um, getting, so, getting so upset going to the Kroger. Like, people just not wearing their mask. I'm like, what, what, what are you? Uh, like, that is what goes on in my head. I have, like, a s- small conniption where I want to just hit them, but you can't. And it's that same thing I was talking about earlier, the, the humanity, humility, all these things of just like, whether or not people are like, oh, they say the math might not really even help. One thing there's like literally videos and uh, statistics showing how it does help wearing it, first of all. Second of all, even if it didn't, the idea that you could be helping and protecting not only yourself, but others by doing it, why would you not want to do it? That's confusing to me. I don't understand that. Like, I just, I, I never got that, but um. Honestly, I think everyone is looking for hope uh, in 2021. We're all hopeful for things to get back to normal in certain ways and to also progress further in more ways, like we were saying with music and diversity, everything else, and hopefully social justice and everything like that to continue progressing the way it has been. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping for normal more than anything. I mean, just being able to go out and not worry about oh, this person's too close and everything. Even though I kind of like being spaced out, I really don't like people being on me anyway. So I do, I am happy for that. But at the same time, you know, getting to go back to live concerts and playing with people is something that I really, 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 really would like to do. Amen to that. I am, even though I am having a virtual concert, I am so ready to get back to just, having an audience there, having people just, you know, being in music, 
music was never meant for something like this because music is one of those things where we're always it is about that interaction between one of one enough one and another um and so hopefully things just get back and we're back in it together but i will say um throughout we have created this podcast we are here together we are voicing our opinions um in which i think we would have done this anyway if COVID wasn't a thing because we are separated regardless but again like we're just going to continue to make relative pitch be the biggest and best it can be and hopefully we bring you know we take it to the new heights next year yeah i definitely like it you guys are amazing for being a part of like this journey with us um because it's it's been a project that you know we couldn't do it without your support and so one of our biggest things is we want to build a bigger audience and a bigger fan base, if you want to call it that, because we want people to be engaged with us. We want to hear your opinions on all the things we talk about, because that's the fun part is having a conversation with people. Um, we're going to try to bring in more guest artists, of course, maybe even have some certain people come back because we had amazing, um, I think all of our conversations, we were like real willing to go about three or four more hours, you know, but we can't, we know you guys can't sit here your entire day and listen to us. Um, but it's just such a joy to have other people on the show as well. And like, we would just love to have you guys engage more with us. Like, tell us what you want to hear and what you guys want us to talk about, because we would, we're so open to suggestions. We would love to have episode topic suggestions. Like, there's a way, on, if you go on the website, relativepitchpodcast.com, you can submit, I believe, an episode topic online. And we would love to absolutely do that or incorporate it into a episode that we are already planning um, we're hoping for, you know, more projects to come out of this with us and things that we can engage with the community and other people in the music community. Um, and just, you know, of course, hopefully more live, uh, live episodes later on during the summer, maybe when we're all less, uh, less busy, we'll say that, um, even though we'll still be busy, I would say less busy, but we're just, I think I'm so grateful to have had this. This has been something that most people would have been like, I don't want to do this to start it and to manage it um, and to have it. So like we regularly record, we regularly post, we haven't missed a week since we started and it's been wonderful. And, you know, this is the last episode for the year, just because, you know, it's about to be the holidays, you know, people want to spend it with their families. Um, but we are very excited for the new year and the new episodes that it'll bring the new topics and the new memories. So Thank you so much. I mean, do you guys have anything else to say before we um, before we wrap up for the day? Love you guys. <laughs> no, like love every single one of you who listen to us every week. Um, thank you for being on this journey with us. Um, we couldn't do it without y'all. And also to my two fellow co-hosts, um, thank y'all for, you know, for doing this. I mean, we... We've been friends for a long time and, you know, we've had these conversations, whether it's on camera, not on camera for three hours long, but literally last night, four hours, but anywho. Um, so thank y'all for, you know, going on this journey with me and it, it's been phenomenal. It's been amazing. I'm looking forward to it, but, um, you know, happy holidays to you all like celebrate safely with the people you love and we will see you in the new year. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and being a part of our conversation. 
Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode, so leave us a comment or review. See you next time.